Hey, really glad that you're tuning in with us today. We're gonna get right into it. So if you got a Bible, get it out, turn it on, and go to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20, verse seven. We're gonna jump around a little bit today, but Exodus 20 is where we're starting. And while you're turning there, let me ask you a question. Do you have a nickname? Do you have a nickname that maybe your family calls you or something that your friends know you by? Nicknames, we kind of inherit them from all over the place. They can stick with you for years. You might have a nickname that you got as a kid. Maybe you had a younger sibling who couldn't pronounce your name. And so they called you something that was cute and everybody loved it. And you're like, I'm 65 and people are still calling me that. Nicknames sometimes come from something that we've done. So maybe your coworkers have a name for you because you did something goofy or you did something really cool at work and so they, they gave you a nickname. Nicknames tell a story of who we are. Maybe you have a nickname that you were given by your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend and only they know that nickname and it's something, you know, it's kind of cute, it's a pet name. But if any of your friends ever heard it, you would be totally embarrassed. Nicknames just tell a story about who we are and about our character and our journey. So for a little girl, it might be that her daddy calls her princess. For a younger brother, it might be that people call him buddy. For grandpa, it might be papa or grandma, it might be nana. For a partner, it might be honey or, or babe. We inherit these nicknames throughout the course of our life and they tell a story about who we are. So we're journeying through the Ten Commandments and today we've arrived at a commandment that deals with God's name. And like a nickname tells a story about who you are, God's name tells a story about who he is. God's name tells us a little bit about his character. So we're in the third commandment of the, of the Ten Commandments. And this is what it says about God's name. Let me read it. Exodus 20, verse 7 says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And if you're just joining us for this series, we're, we're kind of marching through the Ten Commandments, and we've said the Ten Commandments are not these arbitrary rules that God came up with. He didn't give us these laws, these rules from on high to restrict our personal freedom or to take away all of our fun. No, actually, we said the Ten Commandments are, at least in part, to protect us. They're to keep us safe. They're this way of living, this set of rules or laws that will keep us safe. They're like guardrails on a highway. God doesn't want us to put life in the ditch. He doesn't want us to go flying off the edge over the cliff. And so he gives us guardrails. And one of the guardrails has to do with God's name. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Now confession, I grew up in church. And when I heard this, don't misuse the name of God, or some Bible translations say, don't use God's name or take God's name in vain. What I was taught, what I was learned, what I learned is that you just don't say OMG, right? That's what this means. Just don't say, oh my, you know. Don't, if you stub your toe, don't say Jesus. And don't say, I swear to God. As long as you don't do those things, you followed the commandment. Don't say OMG, don't yell at Jesus when you stub your toe, and don't say, I swear to God. And you've obeyed the third commandment. But as I've studied more and I've gotten a little bit older, I've realized maybe it's more than that. We can zoom out from there. Maybe it's bigger than that. This has to do with God's 
name. And God's name, how we think about God's name, how we approach God in his name, says a lot about how we think about God. Because God's name, just like a nickname, God's name tells us a story about who he is. How we think of God's name translates to how we think of God himself. And so today, I want to just talk about this question. I want to look at what is God's name? So we're going to go to school for a few minutes. We're going to take a deep dive on the name of God. And you know this about me. I'm going to geek out on this stuff because I love this stuff. But we're going to look at God's name. And, and I'm going to tell you some of the names of God in the Bible because there are a bunch of them. I'm going to give you five of them. Because if I asked your friends or your family what they call you, I would learn something about you, right? If I knew your nickname, I would know something about your story or something about your character. In the same way, if we can dive in and understand, rightly understand God's name, we might learn more and know more about God himself. So I'm gonna give you some of the Hebrew names of God in the Bible, and I'm gonna explain them to you, and I'm even gonna give you some scripture, and I would encourage you to go and, and look into this and see more about God's name. So five Hebrew names that the Bible gives us. The very first name that we read is the name Elohim, and the name Elohim means creator, creator God, all-knowing creator God, and the passage that I'm gonna give you is Genesis 1-1. One, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And what this means is that God is this spiritual being who transcends the physical world. God is not part of the created world like you and I are. God is creator. He exists above the created world. He transcends that. Now, this is maybe... Maybe the most powerful name of God in some ways because he can create, he can speak the world into existence, which is incredible. It's so powerful that he is all-knowing, all-powerful creator God. But I guess in some way it's almost the most generic of his names because if God is just all-knowing, if he's just creator, it almost sounds far off. It almost sounds distant, maybe even unapproachable. It's this high and mighty name. And if that's all God is, is creator, then he sounds far off. He sounds a long ways away. What's really cool is that as we go through scripture, as we read the Bible, God gives us more names and it reveals more about his character. But the first name is Elohim, creator God. Let me give you another one. Another name of God in Hebrew is the name El Shaddai. And that means God Almighty. God Almighty. And let me give you Genesis 17, 1. God uses this name when he's trying to tell us about his power to deliver on a promise, about his authority. So in Genesis 17, he says to Abraham, he says, I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty, Abraham. And then he says, and I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I'm going to make a great people, and I'm going to bless you. He's saying, Abraham, there's something I have for you, and I have the power to do it because I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. Why does this matter? Because if the Bible was just full of promises from God, 
If God's just going, I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do this, we might read it and go, well, so what? Anyone can make a promise. I can tell you I'm going to do anything. I can tell you I'm gonna buy you a new car, and I'm gonna buy you a new house, I'm gonna pay for you to go on vacation. I can say anything I want, but can I deliver? El Shaddai, God Almighty, is God's way of saying, I make promises to you, and I have the authority to deliver. So here's an example. In the New Testament, very famous passage, John 3, 16. It says that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that anyone who believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, does God have the authority to make such a claim that he can give eternal life? I mean, anyone could say that you could say that you can offer that. But does he have the ability to give eternal life? Can he deliver on that promise? Well, yeah, because he is God Almighty. He is El Shaddai. You see how the name of God reveals something about who God is? He is God Almighty, meaning he has all the might in the world. And think about who he's talking to. Old Testament, he's talking to the Israelites, and they live amidst these cultures that are polytheistic, meaning they worship lots of gods. And often their gods battle for power. So they have a rain god and a, a, a fertility god and an agriculture god. And those gods are always battling for power. So when God says, I am El Shaddai, I am God Almighty, what he's saying is, I don't battle. I don't, I don't need to battle. I have no rival. No one can touch what I can do. I'm different than all those other gods. I have no equal. I am God Almighty. Any promise that I make, I have the ability to deliver on that promise. Let me, let, me, let me give you another one. Another Hebrew name of God in the Bible is the name El Elyon. And El Elyon means God most high. God most high. And it's used a lot in the Psalms. So let me give you Psalm 57. Two. And the way it's used often is to talk about God's majesty, how God exists on high. I'll give you an example. The psalmist writes things like, here's what's going on in my world. It's frenzied. It's chaotic. I'm scared. I'm anxious. I'm nervous. I'm unhappy. Someone betrayed me describes his circumstances and then says, but El Elyon, God most high, exists above all of that. So when I'm frenzied, God is not. When I'm anxious, God is not. When I'm nervous or scared, God is not. When my circumstances put me in this place where I'm running around trying to figure it out, God is not in heaven scrambling. God is most high. It's used to describe how magnificent God is, how beautiful God is, how he gives us good things. You see how just his name tells us something about his character, how just like a nickname would, would say something about your or my journey or our character, the name of God tells us who he is. He is all-powerful. He is God Almighty. He has all might. He is creator God. He has the ability to speak and something comes into existence. He is magnificent, majestic God. And so as we read the third commandment, we read this guardrail, don't 
misuse the name of God. Don't mess with God's name because when you do, you're messing with God's character. When you misuse God's name, you're misstating who God is. And so it's really this guardrail that we would properly understand God. And when we rightly understand his name, we understand him. Now I would say this. I would say this about these, these three names. They're really big. They, they feel really formal. They feel almost like they're so big they're hard to grasp. They're so magnificent that they're, they're, they're far off. They feel so powerful. El Shaddai, El Elyon. It's like they, they, they hit us in the chest. It's like that big clap of thunder that rattles you. Like those names, when I hear them, that's what they feel like to me. They sound so powerful. And you know they are. I mean, the Bible talks about, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul talks about the name of Jesus. And he says that the name of Jesus is above every name. And that just at the sound of Jesus' name, creation bows down. That's the kind of magnificence of God's name. That's the kind of power and holiness there is to God's name. You know, we get these glimpses in the Bible of the glory and the majesty that surrounds God. In Isaiah and in Revelation, we get a picture of what it's like in heaven, and you have these angelic beings just falling down on their face, crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That is the kind of magnificence and power that God has, that just at the utterance of his name, all of creation bows down to his power and his holiness, and his beauty. But that's only half the story. The, the, the same coin, if we flip it over, God gives us more names. There are more Hebrew names coming, and they give us more of God's character. And one of the names I want to tell you about is the name El Roy. And El Roy means the God who sees. And the passage I give you to look up is Genesis 16, 13. He is God who sees us. So there's a story in Genesis 16 about a woman named Hagar. Hagar is uh, left to die. She's been abandoned. She's, she's pregnant and she's been abandoned to the wilderness by people who were supposed to take care of her, by people who were supposed to love her, and she's been left for dead. And she's all alone, and she's terrified. And the Bible says that God sees her, that in her misery, God sees her. He looks at her, and he sees what she's going through. It's so incredible to me that El Shaddai, God Almighty, El Elyon, God Most High, Elohim, creator God who can just speak and things come into existence is also El Roy, is also the God who sees. I mean, do we see, very often, do we see examples of power and compassion come together like that? I don't think so. I mean, think about, imagine the CEO of your company walks into your office, comes and sits down in your cubicle, or she walks out onto the factory floor. What happens? Everybody sits up a little straighter, tucks in their shirt, right? Why? Because she has power. That's how we respond to power. 
But imagine that she sits down and she says, hey, I see you. I see all of your hard work. I also see what's going on in your personal life. I know what's going on at home. I see how you're scared about that that health diagnosis. And you know what? I'm gonna walk with you. In fact, I'm gonna go to the doctor with you and just sit down and, and hold your hand as you walk through that. I'm gonna be right there with you. I see everything that's going on in your life and I'm there with you. It's power and compassion combined together. That's the kind of power that we see in the name of God. This incredibly loving, incredibly comforting power and compassion. I don't know, that's amazing to me that God most high, that God almighty sees us, sees every minute of the day, sees everything that we're walking through. But it doesn't stop there. Let me give you one more. That is the name Yahweh. And the name Yahweh means the existing one. Sometimes God just says, I am, Yahweh, I am. I am the existing one. And in your Bible, when you're reading your Bible and you see the word Lord, and it's all in capital letters, that is the word Yahweh. That is the name Yahweh. It shows up in the Old Testament more than 6,500 times. Existing one. And I think what God is trying to say is that everything else in life is going to change. Things are always going on and things are always changing. Friends are gonna come and go. Nations are gonna rise and fall. Seasons of life are gonna change. Family members are going to pass away. Jobs are gonna be there one day and not be there the next. Pandemics are gonna come and go. But God does not change. God is the same yesterday today and tomorrow. He will never leave us. He will never change. I think Yahweh is God's way of telling us, you can trust me. I will never change. It's incredible to me because God could describe himself as creator. God could describe himself as God Almighty, as as God Most High, but the name that he wants us to know him by, the name that he says, Call me this forever is the name Lord, is the name Yahweh. It's not far off, distant, unapproachable. It's personal. It's close. It's relational. He is with us. Yes, God is all powerful. Yes, God is almighty. Yes, God is above all things. God is the alpha and the omega. God is the existing one. God is the name that just when it's even, when that name is uttered, when his name is spoken, all of creation bows down. And yet he says, just call me Lord. He wants us to know him as this personal God who has a personal relationship with us. Somehow, mighty, majestic, all-powerful, all-knowing creator God is also personal comforter and healer and Savior, 
And he's not one or the other. And he doesn't turn the dial from one and then he's the other. No, he transcends that. He is both. Listen to this. I want you to write this passage down and I want you to go and look at it. But just listen to this. Isaiah 57, verse 15. For this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. So this is God speaking He says, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. This is incredible. God is both on his throne and with you and me in our darkest hour. God is both creator God and also maps out each day of our life. God is all-knowing and guides our steps. God is most high and he weeps with us. God is the name above all names and He's dad. He's our heavenly father. Do you see how his names, understanding his name, tells the story of who God is. It tells us about his character. So when we read the the, the third commandment, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. It's not merely about swearing. It's not merely about saying, OMG. When you mess with God's name, you're messing with his character. When you misuse his name, you misstate his character. And he wants us to know exactly who he is. God is this perfect combination of power and compassion at the exact same time, all the time. So as we hear, don't misuse the name of God. What I think is, okay, well then, so what? Then how do I properly use the name of God? If the the point is, don't misuse the name of God, then what would it look like to rightly use the name of God? And that's what I wanna finish up talking about today. And, And I really, I'm gonna give you a couple things to jot down, but I want just the next few minutes, I really want them to be a heart check. I want you to ask, where where am I on this today? As I think of God, I think of his name, and I think of his character. Where am I? As I think of properly using God's name, where's my heart right now? So here we go. How do we properly use God's name? Jot a couple things down. First, it starts with respecting God's power. So here's what I mean. That word to misuse God's name, it means to think of it as empty or meaningless. Like an empty promise or an or empty threat. So I back myself into the corner all the time with this with my kids. I tell them, if you kids don't stop misbehaving, we're not going to you know, go for ice cream tonight. But the problem is then when they screw around again, it means I don't get ice cream. And so they know that dad is bluffing. They know that it is an empty threat. When you think of God, is it an empty threat, the things that he says? Are the things that he speaks 
meaningless? I guess maybe a better way of saying it. Do you take God seriously? Do you hear the things that God says? And do you hear them as commands to live by or are they suggestions? When you think of the things that Jesus teaches, is it just advice? When you hear God's warnings, you know, are they, are they an empty threat? I'm not saying we should be afraid of God. God doesn't want us to cower. In fact, there's a phrase in the Bible, might make you uncomfortable. It says to fear the Lord. But God doesn't mean that we're supposed to be scared running around like he's gonna come unhinged and we don't know what to expect from him. Next, it's about reverence. It's about awe. It's about taking God seriously. The name of God is, it's not a curse word. It's not something to say when I stub my toe or when my favorite sports team loses. The name of God is is holy because God is holy. He's powerful. Do we take that seriously? Flip flip in your Bible. Just go a few pages to to the left, to Exodus chapter 3. It's where Moses first meets God, and he meets him in this peculiar way. Moses is in the desert, and he sees this bush, and the bush is on fire, but he notices this random bush that's on fire. It's not burning up. Kind of weird. And he hears a voice coming out of the bush, and it calls to him, this voice, Moses, Moses. It's God. He's speaking to him. Listen to what God says. Exodus 3, verse 5. God says to him, Moses, Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. When you think of God, when you come to God, do you take your shoes off? Do you respect him? Do you come to him in awe, with reverence? You know, the Jewish people, and look, I think this is misguided, but I think it's, it kind of reveals awe and reverence. The Jewish people, they don't even say God's name. They don't say Yahweh. In fact, they, they came up with another name, the name Adonai, and they replaced that for Yahweh. So when they're reading their Bible and they're going along and they come to where the name Yahweh would be Lord, they say Adonai because in their minds, they're like, God is so holy, we don't even deserve to say his name. Nay. Now, again, I think that that is misguided, but how reverent, how awesome must you think God is to approach him in those terms? God almighty, God magnificent, God most high. Do you think of God that way? Or or practically speaking, is God's holiness and his power, is it meaningless in your life? So if I asked you right now, tell me something recently, something recently that amazed you about God. Could you answer that question? Can you look at something recently that you've been in awe of God? I think part of understanding God's name and understanding God is seeing how incredible he is of being blown away that God is so powerful that he can speak something into existence. To look at his creation and go, this God is so imaginative. And yet, 
He's so incredibly gracious with his love that he embraces you and me. Maybe, maybe you need to take your shoes off. Maybe you've forgotten that this God is holy and to stand in his presence means to be on holy ground and we should be in awe and reverence towards our God. That he is magnificent, that he is God most high, that he is all powerful. Maybe it's been a while since you've feared the Lord and not in a way that you would run from him, but fear him in a way that you would run as fast as you can toward him. What would that look like? How, how would you even begin to do that? Well, lots of ways. You read your Bible and you read about how great he is and you read about his love for us or you go for a walk and you leave your phone at home so that you can actually look at the colors on the leaves of the leaves on a tree and you can see this beautiful creation. The Bible says that the heavens and earth declare the glory of God. You wanna see the glory and beauty of God? Look around, you will see it. And you talk to him. You know that he sees you. You know that he sees the condition of your heart, even right now. As you're sitting in your living room watching or your dining room or you're listening as you're driving in your car, God sees you and he sees the condition of your heart. He knows it's been a while since you took your shoes off and you stood in awe of him. Talk to him. Say, God, help me. Help me see how holy, how majestic, how powerful, how good you are. He's a good father. He wants to show you. We use his name rightly when we see his power and his majesty. And then just the second thing I wanna say about using God's name appropriately. We use God's name rightly when we represent God's character well. See, maybe the greatest mockery of God's name would be to call ourselves Christ followers and to live completely detached from who God really is. See, God is patient. Are you? God is compassionate. Are you? God is humble. Are you? See, for many of us, we wear the name of Christ as a badge. I'm a Christ follower. I'm a Christian. But do we represent that name well? God is forgiving. Are you? God is gentle. Are you? And I'm talking to Christians, you place your faith in Christ, you wear the name of Christ. I'm a Christ follower, I'm a son or a daughter of the King. Do we represent his name? Well, maybe for some of us today, right now needs to be a little check on our heart. Where, where are we in this? Are we, are we representing Christ well? Where is our heart with God? Where is your heart with God? Where's my heart with God? Am I coming to him and seeing him as holy and magnificent? Am I representing his name well to my family and my friends and my coworkers and my neighbors? 
I'll leave you with this. Somehow God knew that in the middle of a pandemic that we'd arrive at this third commandment, that we'd be talking about his name. Somehow God knew today we'd be diving into his name. In this time that is maybe the most confusing time any of our generations have lived, he knew that today we'd be talking about his name. And look, I don't know where this is going. I don't know when this pandemic and, and this illness is going to end. But here's what I can say. If your God is a creator God, all-knowing, all-powerful God, if your God is God Almighty, who has all might, no one can challenge him. If your God is God most high and your God sees you and your God never changing wants to be close to you, then I think you're gonna be okay. Let's pray. God, your name is holy. Your name is so powerful that when it is spoken, one day the name of Jesus will be declared, will reign out from heaven, and every part of creation will bow down. You are magnificent. You are awesome. And you're on our side. Incredible. You see us. God, no one rivals you. And you're close to us. And you're God who goes with us. God, I confess where we've treated you as meaningless. We praise your name with our lips, but in our hearts, we have not had reverence and awe for you. God, help us today to take off our shoes, to see your majesty, to see your greatness, to see the beautiful things that you do. God, for those of us that are hurting, for those, that us, of, those of us that feel lonely, God, you see us. You're looking on us right now and you're with us, thank you. God, help us today to represent your name well, your holy and perfect name. We are your people called to be set apart, called to be holy for your name. God, help us. Help us now to see your greatness shine your face upon us. God, thank you for Jesus, who through him, he gives us access to you. Though you are great, though you are on high, we can draw near to you. Thank you, God. It's through Christ I pray. Amen.